Lunchtime Heroes is brought to you in part by Harvest Hold from Verdant Technologies and Volcano Produce, erupting with freshness. Hey, everybody. How are you? Good to see you. Nice to be seen and heard by you. I appreciate all the kindness that you extend to us all the time here on Toddversations. And once again, we are going to have another episode of Lunchtime Heroes because why? This subject's damn important. We need to take it more seriously. And we're going to keep elevating these conversations as long as I got breath in these lungs and we can uh, keep keep touting what's going on out there to change this world through our kids. So let's get started. I've got a great guest joining us today, all the way from the beautiful Commonwealth of Virginia, from the Stanton City Schools, the School Nutrition Program Director. Please, everybody, welcome to Lunchtime Heroes, Amanda Warren. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Hi. Great to be here. Nice it's to meet true. you, Todd. Thank you. It's absolutely a pleasure. I, and I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me today with you know, with the encouragement of our friends and the Chef Ann Foundation and, and really to come in here and talk about, I believe, is one of the most important topics that we can as a country start to embrace. And that is the education of our kiddos in the school system and what that actually means to their health, their behavior, their grades, where they're going, their nutrition, their health, the planet, climate. I don't know how many more things I could throw at it. I don't know. I could probably ramble up another 10 off the top of my head, but all of which I firmly believe rotate around what we teach and how we work with our kids. So thank you once again for being here before we get rolling. I'm excited to hear the perspective of what you guys are doing in Virginia and get people from all over this country and the world that listen to us an idea of how to make changes and what to do and why it works and, and, and everything else. So without further ado and me babbling on like I normally do, Talk a little bit, if you wouldn't mind with everybody, just share a little bit about what your role is and, and who you are and what you do. Sure. I am the school nutrition director of Stanton City Schools. We're a small school district in the Shenandoah Valley, about six. Um, well, we have six high schools, about 2,800 students. And, um, you know, aside from just overseeing the school meals program, um, and, you know, the functionality and the operations of that, I also um, think that school nutrition department, school nutrition programs are partners in education. We're not, we're not just there to serve a meal. We are there to partner and to, you know, be involved in the whole education process. So I insert myself uh, quite often in that way. <laughs> um, so we, you know, I believe in nutrition education. I believe in local foods. I believe in healthful um, whole foods as much as possible, um, that, you know, to be serving our children. So that that's my philosophy. I came to this with a, a background in um, industrial and organizational psychology. And also I was a food service um, management and hospitality operations person for about 20 years. <laughs> so I had a whole different food service perspective when I came into the school lunch program. And I wanted to create dignified dining and, 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 a, and a dining experience for our students, not just institutional feeding. I love that. I, I was just going to ask you how much that background influenced what you're doing for these kiddos where, you know, it, it, you're setting a table and you're sitting down and it is not it's not, you know, you, you talk about what school nutrition is today versus what it was when I can think back, you know, 100 years ago and covered wagons when we rode into town square with no <laughs> sure. electricity, right? But it was just like, grab that crappy piece of pizza and be gone, right? Just show somebody, you know, so you can get that check mark that you ate something, right? Um, and today it needs to be so much different because it didn't work. It's not working. I mean, take a look at the health of this country so much, but I think you can play back to what kids did how we feed children. I mean, I think it's just so relevant. You know, we don't have these studies, but we need to be calling for these studies, looking at the transformation of how what nutrition means to everybody. So 
so incredibly powerful to have that background. And I can't wait to get into it and how we apply some of the questions and what we're going to talk about today. You talked about the number of students that you have. Can you talk a little bit about how many kids you're feeding a day, a week, a year? Kind of throw some numbers so people get a little perspective. Yeah. And the reason I love that question is that people go, oh, you're just feeding 50 kids a day. It's like, no, <laughs> there's districts that are feeding millions of kids a week. I mean, it's real and, and it's working. And that's why I love to ask this question to, to tee it off. Yeah, so across both breakfast and lunch meal programs, we're serving on average 3,000 kids a day, and that's a little lower than pre-pandemic. We're just kind of sort of rolling back into normalcy and trying to, you know, get kids back into our cafeterias and back into our meals programs. Um, so that's a little under, but on, you know, it's on average, it's about 540,000 meals a year. Uh -huh. um, and that doesn't include our additional programs that we offer, like free summer meals, after school snacks and at risk supper programs. Right. I love it. I mean, that's a, you're feeding a lot of people and you're making such a huge difference. Talk to me a little bit. And I, again, I find this to be such a unique conversation to have. Talk to me a little bit about how much money you have to spend per kid per meal, because I think this is I think one of the biggest wake up calls that people need to hear what, yeah. it, what we're doing. So, and of course, it's it differs slightly with every school district based on how they're enrolled in different programs and, and, you know, what kind of incentive dollars they might be receiving from the federal government. But based on the fact that I am district-wide community eligibility provision, which means all of my students are enrolled in a special USDA program that allows all of our students to eat for free, regardless of income. Um, so breakfast and, and lunch are complimentary to all students, no application, all the red tape is gone. So that's a really wow. nice piece. Um, but, you know, it, everything comes with a price, right? Nothing, <laughs> no good deed goes undone. So um, I'm on a different sort of payment schedule um, based on certain student percentages. It's a magic formula. Um, yeah. But based on that and some other incentive dollars that I received from the state, it's about $4.50 that I have to spend on an elementary school reimbursable meal. That dollar amount changes, you know, based on, you know, what we have to offer at high school, things like that. Um, or I'm, I'm sorry, the, the $4.50 is what I have to spend on all meals. But the raw cost changes, you know, based on sure. the different meal patterns. Um, and that raw cost on average for an elementary school meal is about $3. So, but, but that's but that's everything, though. So, I mean, that's all in. That's, that's labor. That's electricity. That's, yeah. that's yeah. just straight food. That's raw food costs. So wow. yeah, I haven't I haven't figured in overhead. I haven't figured in labor. I haven't figured in paper goods at that point. You know, because that that all does vary based upon you know your service model for a particular day or or your service you know vessel for that particular meal. Um, and so some meals are more and some meals are less. Right. But yeah. So I, but still, at the end of the day, I, I challenge people this all the time. Go make a meal at home for three dollars. Yeah. Make a meal it's for not, four dollars. It's not a great margin to work in. <laughs> no, it's a zero. It's a, no, it's not. But it, it, the thing is, it's, and I look at it, it's like, you're right. It's a tough margin business to be in. But oh my God, we have to get away from that aspect and recognize what are y'all doing? I mean, well, who are y'all helping? What, how you're elevating this next generation, not only to, to eat better, become healthier, but teach them to your point about education and food. So they vote with their dollars and they can make changes in this planet that we're all struggling to get our arms wrapped around because these gen these next generations are coming faster and smarter than past generations. We can see it now. They're hell of a lot more confused in a lot of ways. There's no two ways about it. They're going to find their path and they're going to bring us along with them, but they're coming at a great speed and we have to embrace that. I think it's so important. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, if more people really understood how the federal meals program worked to begin with, people don't even have a basic 
knowledge of what we're dealing with um, as far as funding and things like that. So I think if if, if the you know if public in general had a better idea of how that worked and they could get on board with supporting you know increased funding for school meals, that is really critical because we can't be those exemplary models for nutrition or environmental you know health or food system you know health if we don't have the dollars to spend to to model you know healthy eating for kids to model sustainability to model local foods um, and the importance of supporting your local economy um, so yeah people need to understand that that these programs are, are way underfunded and yeah. how important they are well, that's the key. And I think that's the message I keep trying to bang is that, you know, we want to make all these positive changes. We want to do all these great things to the planet. And it all really starts with how we treat agriculture, how we treat food, what food we serve. Because look, there's foods out there that, are, that you know, food is medicine, right? We say it all the time, but there's food out there that can kill you. We know it. And there's food out there that can heal you. And we know it. And the problem is, is that we, we don't take enough energy to educate how do we heal? How do we make a better plan? And I'm just, that's why I love what you guys are doing. That's why I love the show. That's why I love talking like this, because to your point, we need to educate people about finding more resources. We spend a lot of money on a lot of stupid things in this country. When I think about the fact that we have kids hungry, that, you know, people are living under bridges, veterans aren't being taken care of, all these things that we talk about that are so important to us, but yet we don't act in a strong enough fashion, but we do other things. It's like, well, that's the, you know, the shiny penny of the day. We're hurting ourselves in the long game, which is why I think these conversations are so valuable. Yeah. Can you talk? Can you talk a little bit about because you touched on it just a little bit about the federal program, or if you want to add anything to that, just to give people some clarity, I think it'd be great. We've teed it up really well. Sure. Um, yeah, I think one of the the most misunderstood aspects about school nutrition is that people believe that we're funded with the school system, but we are not. We are a self sustaining, self operated business working inside a school system. Who right. is you know in the end, we are federally funded. So we have a lot of rules and regulations that we have to follow at a federal level. We're following state regulations and then we're following local health regulations, food safety. So we, we are highly, highly regulated. And amidst these regulations, we're also tiny little businesses inside separate little school entities where there's so many complexities with, I think, competing agendas is probably the best way to put it. Mm. Um, and it makes it very difficult for us to sometimes do our jobs the way that we're supposed to be able to do our jobs. Um, so a self-sustained operation means that all the money that comes into our program through quote unquote selling meals, which means providing a, that free meal to a student, we mm -hmm. get a federal dollar reimbursement rate. That's the, that's the money I was talking about that I have to spend on food, labor, operations, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, marketing, you know, all the things that are important to a, an operation that is revenue based and we are we are revenue based we don't get that big you know chunk of money that falls into your local school system every tax dollar year we are separate from that and we are not supported by the schools I, I thank you for sharing that. I think that's a very powerful wake up call to people when you talk about we need more money we need to talk you know wouldn't be hard to pick up, call your congressman, call your senator and say, hey, have you really looked hard at school nutrition? And, you know, can we find another dollar to give to every kid? Because we think it can make a difference in so many ways, right. you know, and I want to talk a little bit more in detail about that specifically. If you wouldn't mind, let's talk about what y'all do, right? Let's get into your program because I think it's really right. super, super cool. So talk to me real quick first about the changes that you've made to your food program. 
Um, so initially what I, what I focused on was increasing food access. Um, so increasing food access was, uh, you know, sort of opening up some creative ways to, to, to offer our programming outside of just that normal cafeteria experience. Um, so one of the first things I did was uh, pilot breakfast in the classroom. And I also was unique in that I decided to try a universal free model, not using any USDA programming and just absorbing a loss. Um, of some funding with the hopes that the elevation in participation would balance it out. And the formula worked. So that was like, kudos. Yeah. That, that was really one of the, like, my, that was one of my first huge, huge accomplishments. It was in my second year as a director and um, to see, you know, how you could with data, <laughs> you know, real, real data show that increasing you know, that access to that food because kids, we, well, elementary, Bessie Weller's in elementary school, they were right around 72% free and reduced rate. This was based on applications at that point. Mm -hmm. um, so we were able to measure what that actual uh, poverty rate was. And only 30% of kids were participating in breakfast. And I said, what's wrong with this? You know, and so I kind of started observing and watching and I realized that kids were passing by that lunch line. They didn't want to come to the cafeteria. Um, the cafeteria was busy and not well monitored, and it was kind of a scary place to be. So by moving the, the breakfast into the classroom and then saying, hey, it's free to everybody. So you remove the stigma, you remove, you know, any any biases around who's who's getting free meals and who's not. Mm -hmm. um, we increased participation to almost 88 percent from 30 percent. Wow. So it was pretty wow. incredible. That's powerful. That's really powerful. But again, I, I love the part. I, I think that it's so important that we talk about helping people as, you know, as we lift others up, that we also need to be mindful of that, that stigma word, that, that, you know, the pride and people listen that, and I'm not going to ask for help because I don't want people to know I need help. And it's, I get that. And I, it, it breaks my heart because there's people out there that just turn help away for that very reason. And I hope that, you know, they listen to what you have to say and what I have to say and what others have to say and realize that there's no shame in that whatsoever. Right. I think, I think it takes, it, it takes such a big effort to ask for help a lot of ways. And to be able to do that, to be able to come to a school like that as a child and not have to face that. I mean, come on, you're six, seven, eight years old, you're facing that, but come on, they got enough shit to worry about. They don't need that. Right. Yeah, let's so take that off the plate, right? <laughs> yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. So I think it's fantastic. Talk a little bit about the changes you've made to your food though. Talk a little bit about what, sure. you know, what's grabbing the kids because Obviously, if it's the foods and I, because like I go back to what I think about that slice of cardboard pizza, right, with the ketchup on it, like that wasn't grabbing kids' attention. And it, and it's just amazing to see what kids are gravitating towards these days. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, the first focus that I had was increasing fruits and vegetables, period. I just wanted to increase fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, when I came in, the, the, the school district was relying heavily on USDA canned fruits, um, lots of applesauce with colored sprinkles, you know, just some interesting ways to present food to children. And I really wanted to change that model. So the first thing was, you, you know, everyone was required to have some sort of fresh fruit and vegetable every day available across the district. So elementary, middle school, high school. And then I added salad bars. Um, and then I added self-serve bars for schools that decided they didn't want salad bars. So we, I just made the service lines self-serve for elementary students. Um, sure. Yeah. And then I connected with local farmers and started to bring in local produce. Um, and we started doing school-wide taste tests. And 
one of our first uh, taste testing programs was a farmer table talk supported through grants from the Chef Ann Foundation. That was my very first experience with the Chef Ann Foundation. Um, so we were able to purchase local um, produce in large bulk. We did cafeteria-wide tasting so that every student was exposed to it. Um, we basically would come up with some sort of a recipe with a, with a local, fresh, whole ingredient. For instance, we did golden beets. And I, um, I've, I've cooked my whole life, so I you know, know how to throw recipes together. So I standardized sort of an ambrosia style salad with this using some golden raisins and some cranberries and a little bit of honey and mayonnaise and let kids try golden beets, you know, that way. Right. And um, we just would put it on a cart, like, like, you you know, like a Caesar salad cart and wheel our little cart around and like just put spoonfuls on kids trays. That way we weren't, you know, using a lot of different sample cups. We weren't missing kids that didn't come through the line. We wanted to make sure we touched every kid. Um, so that grant helped support us, you know, connecting to some farmers, paying for the produce, getting kids excited about seeing some new different produce items. Um, so that was that was elementary school wide. Um, then we expanded that next year. In the following year, I connected with um, a local teaching farm and they now come into my schools and help me do tastings district wide. So we do, again, so local produce tastings, um, kind of mis mismatch it a little bit, um, depending on what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, we've done kale chips, uh, fresh green bean salad, golden beets, uh, kohlrabi, uh, regular beets. <laughs> we've done spicy radishes. I mean, we've had kids tasting all kinds of stuff. I had uh, children. One time I started doing, um, I was introducing basically the salad bar concept at my elementary schools. Um, and we did it during farm to school week. And I would set up um, two long tables, put some pretty little checkered tablecloths down and just bowls and bowls of fresh produce that I bought locally. And kids got to come up and um, we called them our pop-up farm markets. They got to come up and pick their fresh fruits and veggies from the farm market. And one of the greatest surprises was seeing a group of boys grab the big mustard greens that we hadn't cut down. And they're like, what's this? And I was like, oh, that's spicy lettuce. And they're like, it's spicy? And I'm like, yeah, it's spicy. And they just start chomping. And I've got pictures of boys with these huge mustard greens, and they are just chomping away at them. But, you know, they weren't scared to try something new. Well, I think it's, well, you're creating that environment of acceptance. So, right. If you're not, right. you're not saying there's the apple on the table, you're putting it in front of everybody and giving everybody equal treatment to find their own path when it comes to food and you give them those choices. And I think it's so important that we remember that children, part of development with children is choices, right? It's being allowed to make choices, good or bad, right? It's a part of growing up. I and mean, we talk about helicopter parents, talk about parents that don't let their kids sneeze without knowing about it first, Right. That's not one in the day, right? We, we, we've got to be able to let these kids, and I think it's wonderful that we use food to, to your point, they, mustard greens. Those kids, whether they have it in a month or two months or three months, if it comes up in front of them, they'll be like, oh, I'll, I'll eat that. I mean, especially, yeah. and they're incredibly good for you. Right, <laughs> they really, right. They really yeah. are. Well, what, I mean, you know, putting food out there like that, changing that whole narrative, what was, what do you think your biggest hurdle was when you were going through all that? Um, I think, you know, the biggest hurdle was, was staff buy-in. I had- yeah. Yeah, I had, you know, to really, really work really hard to break some, you know, um, old standards, um, some old, you know, models and behaviors and thinking around what school meals were supposed to be like. Um, I had to um, really, you know, sort of 
ramp up and find my allies and, and kind of not focus so much on the negativity and the resistance mm-hmm. and just continue to build allies and continue to just do what I say I'm going to do, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I, I had to model a lot. I had to go in and I, I you know, I went and snipped 80 pounds of green beans one day because the school nutrition people didn't want to do it. They said it was too, too much work and I was asking too much of them. So I just went in and did it myself and, you know, said, no, it can be done. It, yeah. We can do this. We can serve you fresh go. green beans to kids. <laughs> you go girl. Well, no. And, but you know, I got to, ch- I'll, I'll share with you because I've done, you know, a bunch of these conversations, uh, some recorded, some not. And staff buy-in is right there at the very top of the list. I've not had anybody come back and say, well, the kids just hated everything we put on them. It's not the case. It's absolutely not the case. It's the same thing. It's the staff. It's re-educating. It's just trying to get people up to speed and get out of the can opener to the plate mentality and realize that, you know, there's things you can do to make such an incredible difference in these kids' lives. Not to mention the fact as a school lunch provider, somebody's doing, you're getting skills too, right? You're learning to cook. You're doing things that maybe weren't in your wheelhouse beforehand. It's right. powerful. It's powerful. But talk to me a little bit about, you know, now that you've made these changes, is it, is it screwing up your budget? I mean, you ain't working with a big, you, you, you ain't got a Bezos budget, budget, right? You're working with this budget that you got rolling. And is it, how much has that changed? Right. Um, you know, definitely, across the board, we're dealing with an increase in, in food costs and goods. You know, we're dealing with supply chain disruptions that, that create, you know, situations where we're having to accept product at double the price. Um, so I don't know that this is a great year, you know, to look at, at that data closely. We Mm -hmm. know that, um, that it's a difficult time to make $4 and 50 cents stretch in the way that we want to make it stretch. I'm still going to buy local produce. It costs a little more money. You know, I am going to rely on fresh produce. I'm not going to feed our children, you know, you know, five days a week canned fruit. I'm just not going to do it. Um, So you have to sort of make those sacrifices there. You know, there are places on my menu where one menu day might be, you know, a dollar 90 for that particular, mm-hmm. you know, plate cost. And so I balance that out with my $5.25 plate cost on my special day where, you know, we're serving local toppings on our pizza and um, bringing in local proteins. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you, the, 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 you said it beautifully. You're working with $4 and change kids. Let's think about that. There's a whole part of this whole conversation is we need to drive more money into the school system for feeding kids because again, it, it's, it's not, you know, it's putting food in their belly today, but what are we doing for these kids tomorrow that we can't imagine? Cause we don't have the data yet. We need to be collecting it and monitoring and watching what these positive changes you're making in their lives means. So, you know, hundred dollar question. I got a couple of them left for you too, but I mean, what, how are the kids responding to this food? Right. That's, um, that's, that's the key. I could care yeah. less about your staff. They'll get over it. I want to know what the kids think. Yeah, we we have some children that get really, really excited over what we're doing. Um, And I hear a lot of great feedback from students. Um, We have kids that, you know, will come to, you know, through the lunch line and we have our fresh strawberries. We don't cap them because they look beautiful. You do not have to cap a strawberry. You can save yourself that labor time. And, um, you know, we'll have cups of fresh uncapped strawberries and they just, you know, they're just, oh, look, you know, and they just love it. And they, they do love the food. And even through, um, throughout COVID and the pandemic shutdown, when we were serving curbside, we were scratch cooking. I, I bought, um, like 
tabletop ceiling trays so that we could flash freeze um, scratch made meals. So basically kids were getting these really nice kind of TV style dinners with our scratch cooked meals in them frozen with heating instructions. Um, because I just think it's just so it's so important. Food is everything. It truly is. I mean, again, it, it, yeah. it, it leads to all kinds of things. It leads, again, it goes back, talk about climate, talk about water, talk about health, talk about brain power, talk about brain development, all of it. I mean, it, it's, I, I think if there's something I stress more than anything is that we as a country need to start to value our food as for what it is, not for value. And I, when I say value, I'm not talking about the 99 cent menu. I'm talking about valuing our food that that 99 cent stuff, God love it. I get it. I don't want to get in the conversation about economy and all the other things. I, I'm, I'm all about that, but we're not helping anybody with that. Right. right? We're just not, we're, we're not making positive. We're, we're putting, you know, the, the, the big three, you, you got sugar, fat, and salt. You got the big three, satisfy the craving, hungry in an hour. It doesn't work, kids. We know it doesn't work. We talk, it, we, we all say it doesn't work, but we don't fix it. And I think it's so important and incredible what you guys are doing. Are you seeing more kids? You know, obviously they're getting excited about lunch and you talk a little bit about the participation, but kids now have got to be to the point, and I know that it's a little bit, you're trying to get back on your feet post. It's not COVID, by the way. I call it COVID now. I moved on. Um, uh, it's, COVID, it's COVID. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to doll it up a little bit. Um, but, you know, are the kids, you know, like, hey, I'm digging going to lunch and, and you know, every day. And it becomes a thing. Because one of the things I hear from other schools is that there's not enough time anymore for lunch because the kids are sitting and they're eating and they're talking and they're not rushing in and rushing out. Can you share a little bit about what the kids are taking advantage of? Sure. Again, I think, you know, each school sort of has its own service model. Um, one of the things that I love that we did at our elementary or at our high school was when we renovated, I asked for an open flow service model so that we can get rid of that institutional line. Um, so kids kind of get to walk in and go wherever they want. We have comfort food station. We have build your own noodle bowl station. We've got lots of vegan and vegetarian options. We've got hot grab and go. So, that is really a, a, a unique and interesting way to see school lunch develop. For me, I really wanted to see more of that university feel um, and kind of uninstitutionalize it um, again. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, kids kids are taking advantage. We The kids at um, our elementary schools that can serve their own fruits and veggies, they don't overdo it. They take just what they want and just what they need to take. And they can certainly handle you know, serving themselves fresh fruits and vegetables. And again, it's that autonomy of choice that makes such a difference in, in, in children making good future choices for their health. It's the exposure, because if you don't put it out there, they're, how are they ever going to choose it? And then it's the training, right? Mm -hmm. And that's tastings and that's finding safe space for people to sort of, you know, explore these options where they may not have the opportunity to explore it in their home or, or you know, other places in their, in their lives. And then it's given them the, the tool and that's the service. That's their hands. You get to pick what you want. And we see them do a really great job with that. So. I love it. Well, again, it goes back to what we said earlier. It's about choice. It's about empowering kids to make a choice about their health and their food and what they want to eat. And it's incredibly powerful because you're, you know, you're giving them building blocks that are going to benefit them in their entire life. And we're doing it with food and good food, by the way, right? Yes. Because they, they're into it. They're, they're stopping and looking. I guarantee you, if somebody ever did a study of how long it took a kid to get the cardboard pizza with tomato sauce in the lunch line and out of the lunch line versus what you're putting out there, I bet they would be staggering the amount of time that's invested. These kids are investing in 
what I'm going to have. And to the point about the high school with the stations, you know, they're walking in going, I'm going to have noodles today. I'm going vegan. I'm going to have this today. Like it's already a part of their mindset, their thought process. They're thinking about food in such a positive way. I ask this question of everybody and it's, and it's a hard one to define. It's a hard one to put in, I think, to, to kind of answer. And I'm okay with whatever, but I, I think it's so important. Talk to me. Are you seeing any feedback physically, mentally, behaviorally with these kids, you know, through what you've changed in the certain, if you do, if you, have, can you please share, cause I think it's powerful. Yeah. I mean, I think that obviously that's a great point. And pre COVID, we definitely had some data, measurable data that said increasing breakfast access, decreased tardiness, decreased nurse visits, decreased uh, disruptions in the classroom. We have, we have countable data <laughs> that says that particular program worked to reduce these particular, you know, uh, problems in our school system. And that's obviously nutrition based. When you start a child off in the morning with the nutrition that they need, you're not going to have those physical problems that sometimes turn into emotional problems that sometimes, you know, sometimes turn into pervasive mental health issues. Um, nutrition is everything. Nutrition is the key to our, you know, our, our chemical makeup. It, it makes those brain systems work the way they're supposed to work. It makes that gut biome do the things it's supposed to do. So we don't have upset bellies and, and growth issues and things like that. So, that, that definitely worked. The other thing that I can, you know, that I can say is, um, you know, COVID obviously is going to skew those numbers. It's going to make sure. everything look funky. We have no way to really look at that. But that emotional connection that we had with kids during COVID, um, we had kids, you know, families that would post their kids lunches that they were eating at home on our Facebook pages. It still makes me cry. Um, so, yeah, like that connection with food and, and, and nutrition, like we were a part of that kid, not only their nutritional day during a COVID shutdown, but they, the, a, a means to lift them emotionally. Yeah. And, and food has that power. And we have that power even in our everyday dealings in the school system and in the classrooms and in the lunch line and in the cafeteria. Um, you know, when we're screaming and yelling at kids and turning off lights and silent lunch this and like, it's just, this just should not be a thing, you know, right. like food should be a, a positive force and a positive influence and just a positive experience for, for students. And, uh, you know, I work really hard to try to make that happen. But again, you know, there's, there's, nuancy things that occur in these individual sort of worlds um, that schools are and school districts yeah. are that makes it, you know, makes it very challenging to, to control all of it. I want to come around to what you said. I want people to, I, I think this is important for people to hear. When a child goes to see the nurse with a bellyache, it's not because he's got appendicitis. It could be, but a lot of times it's because that kid's hungry. That's right. And, and it's real. And they, they don't know what to do and their stomach hurts because they're hungry. And I think that that is, you said it, others have said it. It's to your point, powerful. Yeah, it's powerful. It's um, if you didn't realize that folks, you should realize when a kid, what that means. And you should, when we talk about trying to find more money to lift up these kids, I mean, Amanda, you've given such a beautiful demonstration of what your work has done and the meaning of it and the why it's working uh, It's powerful. Thank it's you. just, it, it's, this is a conversation that is long overdue. The hundred dollar question though, I got to ask you, tell me what the parents say to you, because that's where the rubber meets the road, because maybe they change at home. Maybe they make changes too. Oh, so I will tell you a story that is so 
wonderful. So I was doing um, a black bean tasting. Um, I had a lot of resistance to from my staff to, to adding black beans to our legume category. They were used to serving baked beans. It was traditionally just baked beans across all the menus. Um, and wanted to, you know, expose kids to a different legume, something that didn't have all the sugar, something that was maybe a little more savory. And um, they, they really weren't um, selling it, encouraging it. And so I went into a school and, you know, I was hearing the normal complaints. They're not taking it. You're making us waste food. Da, 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 da. So I filled up a, a bowl of beans and went around the cafeteria and said, who's going to do my super duper bean challenge? And they're like, what is that? I'm like, eat one black bean. You try one black bean and, and you win. You win the challenge. <laughs> so I had uh, little kids, you know, trying one bean at a time and then like, oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. And then it was a ruckus all of a sudden, you know, because that, that tiny little reward thing that you add in, whether it's a high five, whether it's a sticker is so meaningful at an elementary yeah. school level. I think it's meaningful everywhere, but of course the reward, you know, thing changes, but um, so, you know, they're high fiving and, and more kids are, what are they getting? What are they? Getting? I want to try beans. I want to try beans. So Flash forward to I'm um, at a, a student opening and this uh, little girl, she waves to me and the mom comes over and I recognized her from our preschool where I used to do a lot of um, work with, with them. It was tastings and things. And she said, mama, mama, this is the bean lady. And <laughs> right. I know. It's a, apparently I'm known as the bean lady across, you know, some, <laughs> some kid groups, <laughs> but um. So she said, oh, she said, you're the one that my, my, my son tried black beans. And and now, you know, we eat black beans at home. And so, yes, it does generalize. And, and, and those small influences that you think maybe, you know, it, it's hard some days. Right. It's hard because you're you're constantly you know, you're battling somebody. You're you know, you're like, no, we're going to make this happen. Or, or you're worrying about food costs or you're worried about staffing. But that is what our job is about. We're supposed to be raising future healthy adults. And we can't do that if this information doesn't generalize into the home. We can't be the only ones, you know, trying to educate and trying to, you know, provide access to, to greater nutrition. It has to be generalizing into the community and into the families. 100% agree. I mean, you and you have such a goal. I mean, these kids are sponges and you can see the fact that food is a topic that they all get into and they dig and they're oh, yeah, and they love it. again, right. They're really into it. And to be able to have, and it's, it's so great that you share that story because it, it, the story, the story is resonates in other areas too. It's all the same thing. It's like, they call the school. I can't go find this ingredient. Where do you get it? My, my daughter wants me to cook it. Up. That's how we're going to move the ball. Kids. That that's, yep. right, yeah. That's how yep. we're going to move the ball down the field is by, empowering these kids. And look, kids are massive influences on their parents when they go to the grocery store. People know that. Brands know that. There's a lot of brands out there working really hard to get their attention. And it's not positive stuff that they're getting their attention for. And we need, it's like, you know, it'd be great if we get a red delicious apple to jump up and, you know, do something right. dance move in the produce department. Yes. But that's going to come from education and school and uplifting and working and even working as an apple farmer to better educate the youth, right? We spend so much time worrying in this business about this PO or selling this box today, I'm more worried about how are you going to sell the boxes tomorrow and who are you going to sell them to work downstream and build that next generation that doesn't think twice about buying apples. That's right. what we need, right? It's what we need and what you all are doing. It's powerful. It really is. So what's next for you guys? Is there something exciting coming up? Is there, 
You know, I mean, you're going to keep going, I bet. That's for sure. Oh, we're definitely going to keep going. Um, I mean, I think that, mo- you know, mostly we just want to get back to normal. Uh, we want to get back to, to the programming that we started. Um, you know, we had a plastics resolution solution started the year prior to COVID. We had reduced tons of plastic in our in our program. And so we're, we're moving slowly back toward that and away from the unitized meals that were sort of required during COVID while we were trying to figure it all out and get a better understanding of everything. Uh, so we'll be moving back toward looking at, you know, better ways to, to be a more sustainable program. Um, I am super excited because uh, I was just notified yesterday that we were awarded a USDA equipment grant that I applied for. So we get a little over $200,000 to purchase equipment um, across my school district. That's going to include combi ovens, which uh, just provides better cooking. Um, We're going to get two blast chillers so that we can um, work with local produce um, in bulk um, and uh, create, you know, sort of... um, recipes out of out of fresh produce and um i have a sous vide cooker that i am excited about getting started using with some local proteins and um we're looking to expand our operations facility and i'm promised a spot there so we're looking at centralizing our kitchen and definitely having a centralized warehouse and um that's pretty exciting that's you know in and of itself (laughs) that's super exciting you know, everybody that's shared stories with me about what you all are doing around this country have all talked about this expansion that has come from changing their food. It has come from needing chillers, needing soupy. I mean, it's just this progression of cooking better food. And it's like it naturally just occurs because the kids dig it. It starts to work. You start to do the heavy lifting to figure out how you're going to rub two pennies together to make a meal. And, you know, you've got to educate your staff. We've got to do all these things that you're doing that, you know, the unsung heroes, like I call you a lunchtime hero, right? People don't recognize it. You know, not all people wear capes, right? And, but the, but the results are the same with everybody that's doing what you're doing. They're, they're, they're growing, but their infrastructure is growing. Somebody talked about getting um, a a truck to be able to move between facilities now for themselves. I got that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, I love it. <laughs> so I it's got, so um, I got a, a, a transportation vehicle last year. That was my first build. I'm actually putting a wrap on it right now. I just got my graphic design artist to send me my stuff back. And we got a refrigerated trailer so that um, in times of crises or in times of like when we were experiencing so much um, supply chain issues, I brought in all of my USDA food. I just said, give it all to me because you know, with, with USDA commodities, you usually have a middle person that's holding, you, you know, those boxes and you have to sort of allocate those boxes either weekly or biweekly um, because you don't have storage space. Um, right. So I just, we got a refrigerated trailer and I brought in all my USDA food. So I knew that we would have um, unprocessed whole foods, even if I couldn't get them from Cisco or, you know, I hope that wasn't a plug. We can take that out if you need to. <laughs> Um, and, and I relied heavily on, on local foods too, you know, yeah. to get us through that time. And, but we were having to store all of this in that trailer so that, because we didn't have all that storage space in, in our different schools. Um, so the, yeah, these are things that you have to do to sort of, you know, be creative and, and still be sustainable and grow and, you know, all that good stuff. When you, when you look back at starting all this and you think about our conversation, we're, we're, we're winding down with today, hanging out together. Did you ever think you'd feel this good inside 
about what you've accomplished and about what these kids are seeing? Did you think, did you think, I mean, I know it was like a hope and a dream, but did you really feel, think you're going to feel this good? Um, I always felt this good, you know, because I believe in food. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm a foodie myself and I believe in good food for everybody, everybody. Right. I just believe in that. And so I was excited even when they weren't, that doesn't mean there weren't times that I didn't cry and there weren't times that I didn't, I wasn't feeling, you know, super, super great about the job itself. Um, but the work and the passion and the purpose, I have always felt great about. What I will say is that today I have an exemplary, you know, beautiful team of professionals. I've focused so much on professional training. All of my staff is, is serve safe certified, not just managers. All of my staff has had culinary training with me and with other groups. All of my staff has received food allergy management training because that's critical, critical, critical. And we sure. need to be thinking about that also in terms of diversity and inclusion and equity. Um, our, our, we, we need to have that lens on our lunch lines too. So yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. And that's the, the the direction that I'm moving in. And then the last thing too, we were piloted this year. Um, we were one of 61 school districts in Virginia. Um, we were included in a local procurement um, pilot that's funded through some federal dollars that came to the state. But basically we got free money to spend on local food. So I took that opportunity to focus on proteins. So I've bought in organic chicken, I've bought in organic pork and organic beef. Um, and so we've been playing with that. We did some really nice wings for our middle school and our high school. They were super excited. You know, we hand breaded them and fried them in our combi oven. So they were nice and crispy. They were like, you know, they were restaurant wings. And I'm talking um, about. <laughs> yeah, kids were super excited about that. We did some Kung Pao chicken with local organic chicken thighs. Um, that was across the district and kids were very excited about that too. So I hope that this pilot, I hope that the model that it displays will again show the USDA that if, if, if we get this funding, if you would increase funding for local foods, we'll do what's right. You know, we'll, we'll be competitive. We'll be ethical around procurement. We'll do what's right so that we can get this food to our kids because that's what excites our kids too. And that's what makes them come eat with us. And that's how we know we're doing the job that might not be happening outside the school. Yeah. Wow. Drop the Sharpie kids. Drop the Sharpie on that. I mean, congratulations. I, I'm just, I'm so thrilled that you hung out with me today. I'm just, it's an honor and it's such an honor to share your story with people. And I hope that we inspire and touch people by your words and people recognize that it's doable and that, yeah, it's not an easy lift, but God, once you get the, once you get the, the boat in the water and start paddling, man, those kids are all jumping in there with you and the encouragement you're getting back has got to be feeding everybody forward. And I just think it's wonderful. So thank you very much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Todd. It's absolutely I a pleasure. It. Absolutely. Everybody lunchtime heroes. This is why we're doing this. I mean, if, if you can't find inspiration in this, I don't know what to do, man. Call me. I'll send you a Mountain Dew. I'll come up with something. But this is no. how we're going <laughs> to. You're right. No Mountain Dew. All right, no fine. No Mountain Dew. Dew. No Mountain we Dew. I'll take it off the table. All right. Thought. All right. I took the Mountain Dew away. But we got We got to keep this up. We got to keep these conversations rolling. We need to put more money in the schools to help these children grow. These kiddos deserve that from us, just like our veterans deserve our help and others. All of it matters. And kiddo school is so important and it's kiddos food in that school is even more important. So let's get together. Let's make it happen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Check us out on social media. Don't forget TLC underscore conversations. We hang out there. You know why I'm on social media? Cause all the cool kids are on social media, Amanda. That's why I'm there. Only reason. Anyways, thanks for being here, everybody. We'll see you soon on all our other shows and whatever we have. Take care.
See ya.